0: Interesting piece, which was uh, widely shared online and discussed from the Irish Times yesterday. It is an issue which has come to the fore, uh, particularly in recent times, I think, in uh, female sports and and professional sports teams have uh, discussed it. Very happy to say, Jen Hogan of the Irish Times is with us throughout the piece. You're very welcome to the studio. Thank you. And uh, Dr Orla Farmer uh, was quoted in the piece, multiple All-Ireland winner with Cork. A PE teacher and lecturer in sports education is on the line in just a moment and uh, she'll more than weigh in. Uh, Jen, this is one of those pieces I was just saying to you before the ad break. I presume you write lots of them and you never quite know which ones uh, captured the imagination or touch nerve or register mm-hmm. with people. This one certainly has, not surprisingly.
1: No, it was it was great. It was great to have get the reaction it did, and it was great to see. I think uh, as it was being shared, I saw coaches reaching out and looking for advice. And well, okay, how do I tackle this going forward? How do I support the girls that I coach? And I suppose when you see male coaches in particularly reaching out, because most coaches are male, um, it was really reassuring. And it was nice to have people come back to you and go, oh, God, that's great. This has been a concern for us. So, you know, it's a worry for me and my daughter. I can see already she's she's looking at dropping out of sport. She's not keen on swimming. She finds, you know, she finds the whole idea of trying to navigate ha- having her period and going to training or playing a match embarrassing. So it was brilliant to actually... I suppose write something that people could relate to and actually get a conversation going.
0: And to that point, so you, you spoke to various uh, male coaches of underage teams and it must be said, this is not one of those issues which is Contentious. There's not a debate here. Mm. Every single person you spoke to said, oh yeah, wh- what is best practice? What yeah. should we do here? So that's a nice starting point at least.
1: Well, it is, except we did have, interestingly, when I was getting coaches together at the beginning, there was a couple of male coaches who didn't feel it was their place to discuss it. So there still is a little bit of that out there. There were still a few people that thought, oh, you know, I'm a man. What do I know about periods? And I suppose you need to know about them because you're coaching girls who have periods. So
0: uh, did, you, did you sense, was that coming from a, almost overly respectful. I couldn't dream say that to a a, a female as opposed to it's no big deal.
1: Well, no, it was it was overly respectful, perhaps, but also embarrassment. And that's not really going to work because if you're coaching girls, and you're embarrassed by periods, then the girls are getting this message that it's something to be embarrassed about, something to be ashamed about. And that's what we're trying to change. You know, we don't want that stigma around periods. You know, it's something that girls have to navigate and work around with sports. Certainly don't want the adult in the room to be uncomfortable there. But most of the coaches that I spoke to, the vast majority all said, yes, these are things we can do. But the male coaches in particular all pointed out, you know, it didn't even cross our minds. It's just we didn't experience it. So we didn't think about it. It wasn't that they didn't want to change and support and help girls and, um, to, to manage this. They just it hadn't crossed their minds.
0: Yeah, Dr Orla Farmer with us as well on the line now. Orla, you can hear us there OK?
2: I can, yes. Great,
0: <laughs> lovely to have you with us. So I suppose, Orla, and, and I know it applies to Cork as well, who you've represented with great distinction, uh, the more high profile uh, examples of this, uh, which have kind of pierced through consciousness, have centred around the likes of uh, Cork, Kerry, GA, Manchester City, the English football team last summer talking about it, the, the issue of shorts and darker shorts. That's kind of, I suppose, been the, the the gateway conversation here.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, it's just something, it's a small shift at the end of the day, um, but it's something that actually makes a big difference. Um, I suppose from my own experience playing over the years with Cork, you know, you always have that fear of wearing the the red and white shorts on match day, um, particularly if you if you're on your period of you know kind of asking the girls, would you mind checking the back of my shorts there? And I suppose that's kind of the last thing that you should be worrying about when it comes to game day and when you're you're training. Um, but yeah, look, I suppose it does make a difference, and I think last year was the first year in all of my years playing with Cork football, um, that we actually shifted to. Uh, black shorts. I think they have navy shorts now this year. So um, yeah, it's it's kind of just peace of mind, really, and um more comfortable. And if you're more comfortable in yourself, then you know perhaps you might perform better, and you're more comfortable on the pitch then as well.
0: So Orla, let's assume that everybody considers that a no-brainer. Such a simple thing to do, such a helpful thing to do. Chalk that as as done, and if not done, let's do it post haste. Let's go beyond that then. The the preteens and the teenagers, what more can we do? What more can coaches do? What more can parents do and beyond?
2: I think really it comes down to awareness and education. Um, I suppose, you know, coming from my own background of my own research on girls and being a teacher, teaching young girls as well. I think it's just, you know, creating that culture and normalising it and actually educating young girls first before the coaches, educating the young girls on effects that periods have on their physical body psychologically emotionally and i suppose becoming autonomous and actually wanting to to track your own periods and to understand your own body as well and kind of prepare because you know every month you're going to have a period so what can you do to the best of your ability you know sleep wise nutrition wise Communication-wise, you know, if you're not feeling 100, percent can you maybe talk to your coach? Are you comfortable with talking to your coach? Normalizing that, but then I suppose on the other side, the educational side for coaches, and you know, Jen um pointed out, I suppose nine times out of ten, you know, it's male coaches that are coaching girls, um, and it's kind of making it's creating that comfortable environment. But I'm not saying that everybody needs to know absolutely everything about periods. It's more of just realizing, okay you know, if a young girl is on their period, yes, it can imp- impede their performance. Yes, they may be fatigued. Yes, they may lack motivation and they may not want to be at the training session. Um, You know, they may be aggravated. There's loads of things going on. So it's more of just awareness. You know, if they're not performing at a training session or a match, if they're kind of looking a bit sluggish than usual, then perhaps they're on their period, and it's just creating that environment. I think um, having that open communication—it's not that you have to go into detail. It's just recognizing and being aware, and having a small bit of education around, I suppose, the effects that it can have on on young girls.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. an impossible question to answer, and and you can both give a take on it, uh, Jen, by into talking to various people working at the Cold Face, and and similarly for you, Orla. Uh, How commonplace would it be for uh, a preteen or teenager playing a sport in a team to turn to their male coach and just in a very grown up, um, you know, not a big deal kind of way say, I'm having my period at the moment. So just to bear that in mind
1: unlikely enough I'd say I mean I don't th- I, I think we're getting better about, about things and I think maybe even young teens are maybe a little bit more comfortable talking about it even than when I was growing up and but I don't think I don't think particularly young um, girls and we of course girls are getting their periods much earlier now will be comfortable saying this to a stranger they might even have find it a little bit difficult to say it to a woman never mind to a man so I think that's why it's so important to have things like period products so visible um, in, even within clubhouses and around the place and to have these conversations I think it's going to have to be adult led to try and reassure the girls that it's okay to say this I also think it was pointed out by Dave Paul um, who was one of the coaches that I interviewed from Granada and he said they have conversations at the beginning or they had a conversation at the beginning of the season talking to the parents about um, the changes that were coming towards girls and saying to the parents look just tap me on the shoulder just let me know if she's having her period and maybe she's not in the best of form she's not feeling great I'll know then and I can make accommodations accordingly and I, he even talked about having period products available that the girls can just go to the bag and take it and, and work independently without having to go and draw attention to the coach. I suppose that's where maybe parents will have to step in until we get to a stage that the girls are comfortable enough to flag it to their coaches themselves if there's an issue.
0: Yeah. Orla, what's your sense of how coach-led all of this should be? Because it is such a uh, an intimate area and, and lots of parents may well feel, well, actually, sorry, and, and, and you know, people are, are rightly... Uh, hyper aware of child safety and, and keeping uh, barriers up, they they may, may well say to any prospective coach, sorry, that's just not an area of my child's life I want you discussing with them in any capacity.
2: Yeah, I suppose it's kind of a grey area, really, when, when you think of it. But I, I always look at it as kind of like a, a triangle, you know, having like, I suppose, the coach, the player and the parents, if you can involve all three um in terms of you know communication um I think you can go a long way that way. I know from my own experience, um I suppose growing up, I never would have had that education from the coach perspective, um I suppose, you know, as a young girl playing. Um being involved with Cork over the years, we would have had workshops and stuff, people coming in to talk about, you know, the importance of nutrition and hydration around the time of your period, the different effects that it will have at the different time cycles and things like that. But I suppose really it's kind of, it's kind of an area where you just have to communicate, you know, it's there's no set. I suppose, plan and there's no set plan of action that it's it's going to vary and it's going to be very different with different groups. And some male coaches may not be comfortable or confident with speaking with, you know, parents. Um, so it's just kind of putting out the feeders at the start of the year, you know, commu- having that communication and coming up with an action plan that works best for that particular team as well and that environment. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think what Jen was saying as well, even just having the the period products, um, in the dressing room most teams if not all teams are um, with male coaches are going to have a female liaison officer as well yeah. so I suppose they could be almost a mediator between the male coach and the player as well um, and I, I would have found the female liaison officer with Cork as well over the years very helpful in terms of just communicating that um, so just small steps like that like it is easier said than done and yeah. I would love to give you a solution, but it's very much dependent on, I suppose, you know, the needs of the players that you're working with, the parents and the coaches. So perhaps it's just the communication and education that it boils back to.
0: Yeah. And I I guess maybe we ask a lot of all our sporting bodies, but maybe there is a centralized workshop which uh, is is, is approved Mm. and and, and deemed best practice, and that can almost be done across clubs so at least if coaches feel God I don't know am I going to do as well as the coach down the road on this issue at least there'd be a centralised approved programme
1: I think so actually what Orla was saying there sorry just to go back to that even yeah. the female liaison after that is obviously a huge thing for, because even as women even as grown women there is something about talking to another woman because they've experienced it so yeah. talking to somebody who experiences it and has to navigate it or knows the ups and downs knows the challenges knows the, the normality of it that, that'll that help and I think for girls that's probably a vital part I do think yeah, I, I agree with you I think kind of some sort of centralised service that's, that's educating coaches educating clubs educating even parents on how to support mm. their girls as well, you know, and because not all, I suppose, girls are, are more involved, which is a great thing, you know. We value um, girls' sports more, perhaps, than we did in years gone by. And in terms of keeping our girls in sports, we're go- it's it's something that's really necessary because we know the drop off rates for teenagers. We know boys as well also drop out of sports, but they drop out at a much higher rate than um, girls do. So it's it's really it's something that we have to tackle. Or they will know more than more than more than me that uh, yeah. there are lots of reasons why girls drop out of sports, but you know, periods play a role. Um, in in girls, I suppose, difficulties around sports at particular times of the month.
0: Yeah, because your piece, Jen, makes the point, having spoke to different stakeholders, I suppose, that fears of leaking, cramps Mm. and inability to use tampons yet, just some of the reasons parents give when you asked if their daughters missed out on playing sports. And there's a really interesting quote, even from Trish Carney, who we've spoken to on the show and people will know, a swimming coach, a very competitive swimmer as well in her day. And she said, in my opinion, the young girls at risk of giving up sport are those who see tampons as something they find too difficult to cope with. In school swimming, parents will skip swimming for their daughters quicker than advising about tampons. Why? I think it's an ideal opportunity for an open discussion if they've not had one. Now I think honestly there'll be a lot of men listening going oh I didn't is there an issue with tampons?
1: I wonder do (laughs) yeah I suppose it's I mean maybe that's maybe if it comes down to well well, men know the difference between different period products. Uh, I mean, for, for tampons with a very young girl, I can understand a lot of parents won't be keen maybe to introduce tampons to, to their younger daughters. And again, going back to the idea that or to the, the fact that girls are getting their periods a little bit younger. Um, it's a big thing for a girl to get her head around. I mean, Annie, well, all of us as we were growing up and all of us when we started using tampons, it was a much bigger deal at the beginning um, to start using tampons as opposed to pads. A lot of mothers also, when they answered me on this, they they said that they had their own difficulties using tampons and they were probably fearful of of making it an issue for their children. They're
0: more invasive, clearly. They're more
1: invasive. You know, you put them inside you. So it's a bigger deal, the idea of of asking a little girl to do that. It's Mm. very different. And it's, you know, they're already, particularly if they're very young and they're 10 and 11 and they're trying to get their heads or 12, trying to get their heads around. I now have to, I'm going to bleed every single month. The idea of doing something like this, uh, putting the tampon inside can be off putting. Trish is right. You know, the idea, you know, that if we can get girls using tampons we're more likely to keep them in sports, particularly things like swimming. But doing that at such a young age, it's not quite as straightforward as that. Now there are other solutions. We've got period underwear now and period swimwear and there are other things that will help hugely to keep to allow girls to continue in sports. But tampons I suppose for most women in sports, or for most women as in terms of any kind of degree of freedom, that tampons will give them more freedom than as than pads. As opposed okay. to pads. But again age is a huge factor and girls are fair you know young girls are quite fearful they're quite nervous they're trying to trying to get used to this without the idea of now putting something inside them that's a that that's a it's a it's a difficult one because i don't know of many children that age or many parents who have children that age who whose daughters would be comfortable using tampons quite so young
0: Mm. Orla, what's your perspective on that
2: yeah and i think i suppose like as jen kind of alluded to young girls that are are getting periods kind of almost younger now you know some girls are even getting periods at the age of nine eight nine ten um so it can be very overwhelming and it can be very daunting um and that fear element um and i suppose based on my own research one of the big barriers that came through um, as, as a, a physical activity and sport barrier was that of a kind of body image. You know, girls, preteens, particularly in teenagers, they're very conscious of, you know, their bodily images, what their friends think. Um, and it can be a, a, a big barrier as it is, not even a mind just being on their period, but just body conscious anyway. So I can't imagine, you know, at that age um, in school, and having to actually think about tampons and think about, you know, playing sport as well. Like it it can be a massive worry and um, you know, it is something that needs to be talked about and some something that needs to be kind of made aware in, in schools and um in clubs as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not a conversation we've ever had in this show.
2: Mm.
0: Tampons, pads, what's yeah. the right thing to do? Yeah,
2: it's it's, <laughs> it's it's normalizing it, you see. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that's the thing. Like, and you mean, know, the, and more, like the more the more vocal we are, the yeah. more it will normalise it as and, well. So. It's,
0: it's not that difficult a conversation either. I yes. mean, it's all very practical and, and worth having. I mean, is there an obvious solution or answer to that, Orla? Or is it case by case basis? Because you know, clearly you don't want to force a 10 year old into doing something they don't want to do quite clearly. And, and and yet you want them to keep playing sports. So, I mean, is it an acceptable short term solution for a young girl? Maybe. Well, if it's your uh, period, there's no pressure to play sport for those few days. You don't have to either. And you can go back or or should we not go down that route, do you think?
2: Well, I suppose it it is case dependent, but it's more about kind of giving the power to the young players as well that you know getting them to understand their body becoming comfortable and confident with you know that time of the month as well and knowing if they're feeling tired but also like highlighting and recognizing that physical activity and sport is actually good you know during that time as well um so it's trying to kind of get the balance between that but i think something that may work practically is you know just if athletes or, you know, role models could even just share their own stories mm-hmm. um, of, you know, whether it be a campaign or whether it be just as simple as organising, you know, a few athletes to local athletes to go into schools and share their own story of, you know, that to normalise it and that, look, it's all, it's part of who we are as, as a woman yeah. and as a sports person. And, you know, it, it's OK, like you will get through it. And, you know, it, it's trying to, accept that. You will have your period once a month and it's what can you do to get the best out of your performance um, as well. But I think by maybe some older athletes expressing that and kind of sharing their own stories, it might actually help them feel a bit more confident and say, well, if she can do it, then I can do it. Mm.
0: it Orla, I introduced you as PE teacher as well. That was correct, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I, I'm a PE teacher and a lecturer in sports.
0: Yes. So uh, w- what's best practice if um, PE, no, I don't want to do it, time of the month? Is, uh, a gentle encouragement or you bloody will do it or, well, you have to do something, walk around the pitch. What's what's Where are we on that?
2: Well, I suppose, you know, if you're seeing a pattern of, you know, the... notes kind of coming in or the lack of motivation not wanting to to take part then yeah i think really it's just the gentle encouragement and also the communication side of things you know getting to get into the why you know is there a reason why you're not participating you know maybe you want to dip in and out you don't have to do the full p class or session um maybe you can help out in other ways rather than just sitting down so trying to kind of motivate motivate them and getting to the kind of root cause as well in a gentle way like in true gentle encouragement and kind of positive reinforcement as well rather than just kind of accepting that oh yeah look they're not taking part because they can't or you know they don't feel well or time of the month but it's more of kind of getting that encouragement but also how can you get them involved and educate them? You know, if it is the time of the month, ask them questions. You know, are, are you feeling tired? Um, are you getting enough sleep? Um, how is your nutrition? Are you drinking enough water, et cetera? So it's that education side as well, rather than just kind of neglecting, saying, oh, well, she has the note there now, she can't take part in, in the P class. So yeah. you know, I suppose that's that's your role as a physical educator as well. You want to promote that physical literacy side as well.
0: Jen, I'll give you final word. People can read the piece on the Irish Times uh, website. I'm sure uh, lots who haven't already will. Uh, are you encouraged by the general response to it?
1: Very encouraged. I said, it was great to see coaches reaching out. It was great to see parents having conversations. I suppose, like Orla said, it, it's about normalising things and maybe schools is our place to start. We're going to have to normalise it for everyone. It's not just something for women. In mixed schools, um, boys are going to have friends and classmates who have their periods and it's going to impact P and maybe that's a perfect opportunity for for everybody to see. It's just a, it's a normal part of life. We might need to make some accommodations, we might need to work around it, but there's no reason for it to be, um, it, there's, it doesn't need to be a reason for girls to drop out of sport.
0: OK, well, Jen Hogan of the Irish Times, thanks for coming to the studio. Appreciate it. And Dr Orla Farmer, multiple All-Ireland winner, Cork, PE teacher, lecturer in sports, education. Thanks very much to you both.